episode of Armchair Directors. I am Matt James, with me as always is my wonderful co-host, the best co-host, actually the best host on this show, Richard F. Padden. Rich, hey. how are you doing? I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. Um, I'm, you know, in the middle of writing a uh, this uh, spy this assassin thriller. It's uh, we hit uh, thirty thousand words today, so really wow. happy with how good that's you, going. Yeah, and I started writing yeah. on Monday, so <laughs> fast writer. <laughs> nice, very good. Well, that's the I, I guess that's a good thing about actually outlining a book. <laughs> well, I've I've always been fast, even if I. Like yeah. I used to write movie scripts and I would, um, I, I wouldn't outline those, but that was fast, different Good. kind of fast yeah. though, because you're not dealing with mm-hmm. thoughts and going into as much, much detail as you do with, you know, prose. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I've, yeah. I've always been fast, you know, like fast talker as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I've been doing pretty good with, um, Venetian pursuit with Jack Riley five. So it, it's been, it's yeah. been moving. Uh, we just hit 80,000 words um nice so uh, n- n- probably about 90 i'd say it'll ish so it uh, d- depends see, on how much i end up adding later but it should be around 90. <laughs> okay see that was something i was curious about with you um i know some authors they do a quick you know when they write they write as fast as they can um, sure. to get the story out and then they go back and when they're doing their edits and rewrites they add mm-hmm. more detail in i mean have you is that something you do or is it not really much, um, much. <laughs> I no 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 I do but I also end up cutting some things just because maybe it's just like monotonous and it just needs to be mm-hmm. tightened up a little bit so it's like I, I my books do get bigger on the second and like third passes um, where a lot of authors they end up getting smaller because they're mm-hmm. fat and they cut them down um, for me it's not necessarily trying to cut any of the uh, exposition out that just isn't or the narrative out that just isn't um necessary for me it's just reworking it because i don't like to cut that stuff out it's just the way i put it in needs to like flow better i guess um or just needs to make more sense because yeah i usually try to get the first draft out as fast as possible um for the same idea get it out then go back and worry about other stuff later which uh you know pro tip for you guys don't spend too much time on the first draft if you can help it get that thing out (laughs) get the story out because then you'll then that's your blueprint for the second draft yeah well it, it, it's something i kind of i kind of realized is um writing a book it kind of applies to the old saying about movies you know there's not there's a saying that movies are, are written three times you've got the first time which is done by the script writer second time when the movie's being made and then the third time in the edit and yeah. you know writing a book or even a short story is the same thing you do do you know there is literally multiple rewrites <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anybody that, that says they can write a full novel like perfectly in one pass, they're lying out of their butt. It, it's or they're trying so... to sell something to you. <laughs> yeah, no, they are because there, there's there's too much going on. There's too much going on. It, yes, it, it, it's just you, you can't, or or you're just not doing the story any justice because you should be like you should be willing to change on the fly if it makes the book better versus yes oh yeah staying to that outline and just writing it yeah you're gonna get it done quick but did you just write the best book or did you write the fastest book so it's like yeah you know and 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 that 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 is a there is a school of thought about you know 
some people won't that some people say doing following the outline you do write fast but it's not the best version because you lose that spontaneity and yeah. the yeah. joy of um i'm going to do this with bunny quotes but the joy of creation creating and exploring the story um yeah. oh yeah no if people which, want to hear about that uh, that's check out the other podcast real life fiction if you really want to hear about like the author process uh that's the entire reason i created that podcast is because talking to like rich on a podcast and then talking to other authors on a podcast um it's really cool to see the headspace of one writer to another um it's, and really kind of see different the, it's always different and 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 the reasoning behind it is always different too it, it you know like like what we talk about is like getting it getting it down and getting it you know on paper and then going back and redoing it where there are some authors that do it much slower because they do it very deliberately the first time so there's less work to do later and i'm like yeah no i mean at, but at the end of the day if it just if it takes the same amount of time to write a book but the process then, is just a little different than, then who yeah. are we to, you know, more power, you know, do what you want. Well, exactly. And I mean, prime there's example, no right um, or wrong way. Well, yeah. And prime example, um, the book I'm working on blood angel, and I'm positive that title will change at least one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Oh, I'm positive it will. But, Great. Now um, I'm going to fix the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make it better. It's not that hard. Um, it's not that hard. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great, but it could always be better. Um, but, you know, <laughs> no, yeah, you never know. <laughs> but never um, know. I, I wrote a, I wrote a chapter, and I knew a hundred percent. I finished writing this chapter. And I just knew in my head, yeah, this is what I'm going to go back in and add more detail later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because that's the first time that's ever happened. Usually, I write everything, then I'll leave it, let it, let it sit, let it settle, kind of forget that I wrote it, pick it back up. And then as I'm writing it, uh, no, reading it, I'll go through and go, yeah, I need to add more detail here, here, and here. And this is the first time I've actively said to myself, yep, I'm definitely adding more detail later. <laughs> and I made a note as well about it next to the out- chapter outline part. Yeah. I'm just like, going, hmm, maybe I'm improving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing I'm doing a lot is uh, – when the point of view changes and it's not necessary to the story, I just skip it and go back and write yeah. it later. <laughs> I'm doing that a lot yeah. lately. I, cause it, it, for me, it's the main character's point of view is the entire story. Typically, as far as like the big parts, or I guess like the cool and important parts. So those are, th- that's what I want to get down because I know the other characters point of views don't affect the story uh, as drastically. Yep. So, like we were saying, get that first draft out. So for me, the fir- getting that first draft out, that's a part of it is getting it out quick. And then I can go back, find all the parts I need to add in later. And it's and... actually, it doesn't like screw me up at all. Cause I already know what happened. So it's like, okay, I just need to include this, but not too much because this, and I'm like, okay, yep. we're good. So that's yep. just what I've been doing lately. And it seems to work. But uh, uh, like oh, I said, great. if you, yeah. If you want to know more about that stuff, check out Real Life Fiction. Uh, that is a not movie podcast. A uh, little bit more. <laughs> I don't even want to say a little bit more serious because it's really not, but it kind of is. Well, no, but but uh, it's 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 serious in regards to the fact that it talks more about the craft of writing and being an author. That's what it, that one's about. So that's where it's more serious. Whereas this, it's just you and me, just you know, having a good time talking about movies. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're absolutely which, right. But, um, which, funny enough, if you do listen to real life fiction podcasts and you get to the episode with me, where I'm 
being Arif Blackstone, yeah, you're basically going to hear one of these episodes, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that episode is basically what birthed this podcast, is because for about an hour and a half, we talked about movies on that podcast, I think. That's what it felt like, anyways. But, uh, well, yeah. But, yeah. But, <laughs> so, yeah. So, no. <laughs> today. But, so, today, I'm actually not going to tell you what we're, do, you know, talking about, because first... <laughs> Uh, real quick, like and subscribe to show if you like the ramblings of Rich and I. Uh, Facebook group, it's a great group. It is a super active group. So if you really do like active groups where there's people constantly writing stuff, um, like Rich posted a great question. What did you post today? So the question I asked, and it was a question that I kind of went, okay, this is either going to blow up in the best way possible or cause a lot of fights. Either way, there was going to be engagement. The question mm -hmm. I asked was, we always talk about our top five favorite movies or our top 10 or our best list. My question was, well, what are the movies you would put into your top 10? I hate movies. I hate these movies, or I will never watch these movies. So basically the yeah. opposite. And honestly, I did it for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But those are the best. But, those are the, those are yeah. the best. And, and, and the responses have been fantastic. You know, like yeah. someone, someone said, Titanic's another person funny enough said they were never going to watch a Jim James Cameron they would never watch James Cameron's movies because he's a scumbag that's a direct quote from this this answer to the thing <laughs> yeah yeah that's hardcore um you yourself Ghostbusters 2016 I believe it was yeah I just put the female cast in quotes because I couldn't remember the year but uh yeah that was utterly horrific and then my brother-in-law put the one i was going to put which was the fantastic four of 2016 or yes. 2015 and yes. i said it was oh. i said why did we have a nude thing why was the thing naked he wasn't wearing <laughs> pants i'm like I, i'm like it made him a it made him look ridiculous and b it was just super unnecessary but and the cgi well, was terrible so it's like well, see, I, I, as i said as i said in response to fantastic four i mean i've never watched it all the way through i was on a flight from um, I believe it was Australia to Mexico. And that's a 14, actually not even 14 hours, like the entire trip from Australia to Mexico because you go to a layover in the US. It's about 20 odd hours total kind of scenario. And I, I going through on the plane, everything, you know, you can watch movies and there was Fantastic Four and I'd never seen it, heard all of the bad reviews. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm going to get You got time, I, so why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, why not? And I got, I don't even think I got to the part where they, got their powers i just got to a point i went you know what i can look out the window it's gonna be more entertaining <laughs> yeah it was really bad it was really oh, yeah. bad like and then you get to like the actual like dr doom stuff and you're like what what is who why it's <laughs> ugh, okay so yeah it, so it the, was uh, it was bad so the version with um you know michael chiklis jessica alba um yeah Captain America. Ian Grunfeld. Million times yeah. better. Yep. <laughs> oh, million times better. Million times yep. better. And then I said, Mr. Fantastic should have done more. He could have saved everyone on the Titanic, but he didn't do it. <laughs> and if you don't, if you're not a movie fanatic, you're not going to understand the joke. But uh, because Ian Grunfeld was in the titanic so yes he was yes he was so and he survived so he was he, one of the survivors so i'm like he was at the end if you recall i believe he was on the end calling out for survivors and that's who rose was waving and screaming yes. at was that actor so yeah he eventually went on to play mr fantastic so there we go yes. he was just so you know why he was probably too cold he couldn't do anything you know because 
Yep. That, that chemistry actually, actually 101, no I think was the line, chemistry 101. Uh, what happens when you super freeze rubber? Uh, yep. And that's when he had him hooked up to the hoses. It was a good movie. I've seen a lot. I've yes. seen the movie a lot. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. But anyways, it was from that golden age of comic book movies where they were still being comics. They weren't being yeah. too oh, serious. Yeah. They, had a, they weren't you winning didn't Oscars. Ex- you and... didn't expect them to win anything. No. Yeah. 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 It was just fun. <laughs> But yeah, the so yeah, and then mine of course was the 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 female led Ghostbusters movie. It was utterly dreadful, and I think oh, we was, talked it about was. it on other shows before. But it was it was oh, yeah. dreadful. Yeah. It was yeah. it was a one hundred percent unnecessary remake, and it oh it was a cash grab. It was a bombed, cash grab. It bombed in theaters for that reason. So there we go. Oh, yeah. But uh, but the oh, group yeah. itself is facebook.com slash groups slash armchair directors podcast. So if you are interested, come on over. Um, I do send out. Uh, invites and just like advertisements if you want to come, but you can more than welcome to just uh, search it. Um, it's a fun group. Uh, there, there's a lot of a lot of active people. Random questions. Why not? So here we are. But uh, yep. today, yeah. today, thirteen minutes in, uh, we will be talking about uh, the Lost World that's Jurassic gonna be, Park. That's gonna be a record for us. We're actually getting to the to the actual movie quick. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might be the quickest yeah. we've. Yeah, that might be. I mean, I think we've announced it earlier, but then the tangent was even oh, longer. Yeah. So look at now, us being professional. That doesn't mean we have to talk about it right now. I was just telling the listeners what. Oh, okay. Well, fine should, then. So yeah. The so, in, an interesting thing happened to me on the way to the studio to record this today. <laughs> uh, studio. Well, I'm not a so I mean. Come on, let the people at home believe we are professionals and we know exactly what we're doing and we're not just a couple of nerds who threw, yeah. threw this together for, you know, fun. <laughs> yeah, and uh, real quick, if there's some awkward pauses in the show, that's me blowing my nose and or coughing up a lung. So uh, See, the tone of I'm my voice so far that. hasn't changed, but uh, I don't feel well. And uh, there's a million different, like, things that could have happened and then all of a sudden like i didn't have internet for four days so we're recording this friday night my time usually we we record the show monday or tuesday night my time Uh, and one thing led to another uh so got hooked up with (laughs) at&t fiber i'm just gonna say who it is it's at&t fiber um the 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 text the installers they've been great customer service is dreadful but that's kind of what their mo is uh, the the actual service has been great when it worked or works, um, but got my fiber hooked up, uh, which they laid in my neighborhood, and I just hooked into it. It's super cheap. It's ridiculously fast. It's super reliable. And then um, there's trucks all through my neighborhood constantly as new new accounts like myself are being hooked up because there's a bunch of new account discounts and stuff. So why not? Ah, and uh, okay. one day I'm working and my internet goes out. I'm like, gee, that's quick. And never came back on. And I'm like, huh. So I call customer service, which is uh, sourced out of India. Um, of course it is. <laughs> And I talked to a wonderful woman named Jessica, which I'm just going to go ahead and assume is a call sign. Uh, either way, wasn't her fault. 
and told her exactly what happened. I said, there's a ton of guys behind my house because the easement where everything hooks up is behind my house. There's a box mm -hmm. in front of my house. I'm like, y'all were here all day, and all of a sudden I got no internet. And she goes, so we went through <laughs> all the troubleshooting. We went through the troubleshooting, and nothing worked. She's like, okay, we'll make an appointment for a tech to come out and check. I'm like, no, this isn't a tech problem. This is a you problem. I'm like, I'm like y'all like, broke it. You need to come out like, I'll see you in an hour. Uh, this is like, this is a you problem. This isn't a yep. my house problem. Like, no, oh, something's happened. Yeah. No, you guys screwed something up. This isn't me screwing something up and then waiting for you. That's not how this works. She's like, well, we can come out on Thursday at four o'clock. I'm like, ma'am, it's Monday at four o'clock. I'm like, you guys broke something and you want me to wait four days for you to come out and fix it. She's like, oh, yes. That, that's, that is terrible customer service. That is horrific. I expected at this point, but um, oh, okay. so, so then I call the sales rep that actually came out to my house to talk to me about stuff and he was pissed. He was so mad because he's just like, you've had service for, for four days and now you're going to be without service for four days. That's a great start. I said, no, <laughs> I'm more angry than you because I work from home, dude. I'm like, I ain't got no internet. Yeah. I got nothing. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, I'm a podcaster. I had two podcasts I have to cancel. I write out of a cloud. I have no cloud. So I have to go somewhere. I went to Barnes & Noble to go write. I mean, granted, I wrote like 2,500 words sitting at Barnes & Noble drinking coffee. So it was very productive. Hey, that's, that's, yeah, that's actually not bad, really. I've been doing it once a week for I, every Wednesday afternoon. I've been going to Barnes & Noble to go sit and write. And I can actually bang out a chapter every time I'm there. So it, it's actually very productive. Um, there's less distractions because I'm not home. And um, well, yeah. anyways, fast anyway. forward to Thursday afternoon, the tech comes out, plugs my home cable, my fiber into his little machine thing. And he goes, well, it should be telling me without getting like too deep, it should be telling me zero feet. And I'm like, what does zero feet mean? He goes, zero feet means we're standing where the fiber is connected to. Like that's where right. the signal is uh -huh. or ends. So it should say like zero one. So the, the the line is coming in. So that means it might be the modem. I'm like, okay. He goes, this says 1500 feet. He goes, that's the terminal <laughs> at the front of your neighborhood. Like that's the starting point. And I'm like, oh, he goes, I feel like somebody unplugged you. Like, okay. So he goes, give me a moment. I'll be back. So he left. He, he went to the front of the neighborhood to go check the box, came back. He's walking out, shaking his head. I'm like, what happened? He goes, pretty sure somebody unhooked you to try and hook up to another house. Didn't work and left you unplugged. Oh. Your cable was sitting there dangling. <laughs> it was unjacked and it was sit sitting there for four days. <laughs> he goes, he goes, this shouldn't have been a house call. <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's, he goes, that's on us. I'm like, no, it's not on you. It was on whoever did it. He goes, yeah. I'm, I'm like, dude, thanks. He's like, no, you're hooked up. Go, you're fine. I'm like, all right. Literally, he came in the house to make sure that the modem blinked back on. It did, and here we are. We have internet. I'm like, all right. So, I lost a lot of work because of probably some noobs' okay. dumb mistakes. Dangling so here we are. cable. Dangling, uh, yeah. It's a, uh, uh, a drippy dong. <laughs> Most certainly is not. It drips when it <laughs> should and doesn't when it shouldn't. 
<laughs> Sorry. Rich and I watched Almost Heroes last week, and that was the like he guffawed that, very heavily during yes, that scene. Yes, yes, that was yes, that was the um the belly laugh for the movie. <laughs> I mean, there were a ton of belly laughs, but it was definitely one of those 90s. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a 90s yeah. Chris Farley, Matthew Perry comedy. So, I mean, there, there's it's it and, doesn't and hold I'm, up I'm great, a, but parts of it, it is still very oh, funny. Well, yeah. And I'm I'm not a big Chris Farley fan to begin with. That's the other thing. Sure. So, you know, I, um, I grew up loving the guy. So for me, it was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, well he, he was because um, Saturday, Saturday Night Live isn't a big thing and it was never a big thing in Australia. There are certain comedians that. You know, over in the US, yeah. you guys kind of revere yeah. and treat like they're gods. And for, yeah. for for me, I'm like, okay, he's a fat comedian. That was John Candy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Before, you know, this is not a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's not. So, so yeah, yeah. Chris Farley was never a big thing for us. Um, but I have to admit, I'm glad I watched it because, you know, I'm a fan of Matthew Perry. It had a great cast. It did have some good moments, and it was an early Christopher Guest movie, and I like him as a director. It was an early Eugene Levy or Levy movie. That was the year before he did American Pie. So yes, um, <laughs> so he was not Jim's dad in this. He was no. He was no. <laughs> very much different. He spoke yes. all the Native American languages and never spoke one <laughs> the entire movie. It was, oh, great. It was great. It was such it was a good shtick. Yes, that's the thing. The stuff, like like any 90s um, comedy, what worked, worked brilliantly. And what didn't work, farted and died. Yeah, no, it really did. Yeah, it really did. Uh, you do realize your woman is made of straw. I do. I'm guessing that's why she burns so easily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're not going to be talking about the Lost World today. We're just going to be doing quotes from almost heroes. <laughs> Sorry. No, yes, we will be talking about uh, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, or as I like to call it, Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> because everyone, everyone, calls it, everyone calls it Jurassic Park 2. No one well, you have Jurassic Park, it. and then you have Jurassic Park 3, and then the middle movie is not called Jurassic Park 2, so it is a little odd. Well, see, but... okay, that, see, the reason for that is um, just, you know, this is, this is something that we probably would have talked about anyway. But the reason it's called The Lost World Jurassic Park is that for Steven Spielberg, he wanted he's always wanted to do a movie version based off The Lost World, the um, Arthur Conan Doyle book. Mm -hmm. And so when they were prepping this one, because Michael Crichton went off and he, he was writing the book, um, Spielberg and David Coop, you know, scriptwriter from the first movie, they were figuring out what the movie was going to be. And... Um, you know, it got to the point where Spielberg said, "Look, you know, you know, they got the ending. They had the ending, and then Spielberg says, you know what? I want to have a, I want to have a T Rex rampage through San Diego. That's our finale. Let's go Lost World because that's how the book ends with a, I think it's a Pteranodon. So, yeah, you know, and by that point, he had, you know, they figured out, yeah, we're going to call it the Lost World, and Michael Crichton had figured out, yeah, I'm going to call it the Lost World as well, and all the marketing people said, great title." You know, you've got to have something there to connect it to Jurassic Park because it is a sequel. Sure. And so, stubborn, not stubbornly, but, you know, reluctantly, Spielberg went, fine, we'll call it The Lost World, Jurassic Park, which just, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, 
I don't get it either. I mean, at this point, just call it Jurassic Park two and be done with it. It's yeah. like, or or you or you could do what they were doing in the you know mid nineties, late nineties, where they would give you sure. Jurassic Park two subtitle The Lost World. The Lost do World, that. yeah. Or just Jurassic okay. Park: The Lost World, and we'll figure it out. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. figure it out. Yep. But this, but, this is uh, definitely a movie with a this is definitely a movie with a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the classic. Um, wow, we made a great movie. Let's make a sequel. Um, so, yeah. so I mean, f- for me, the biggest problem was the uh, most of the cast not returning, um, and yep. for one reason or another. But at just just at its base element that was the one thing for me um i did like that it was all of the same team uh behind the scenes like everybody so there was some continuity there was uh quite a bit of um like it's still the same overall like feel and it was just not the same i guess not the same feel (laughs) no i i know i know what you mean i mean this is 97 this movie um, so it's four years after the first one. And the first one, it is filled with wonderment. It is filled with joy. The fact that, yeah, you know, you basically are seeing dinosaurs for real. And we're, we're, we're okay, you know, between 90, 93 and 97, you know, the movies come out on VHS back in the golden days of VHS. And, you know, as a kid, you watch it ad nauseum. You play with the toys. So, you, you know, you know dinosaurs like the back of your hands. So by the time Jurassic, uh, by the time Jurassic Park Two comes out, dinosaurs aren't as special anymore. So part of that wonderment has gone. And I mean, there's a great story from Dave, that David Cope tells. You know, he, writing the script for Jurassic Park Two, he, um, you know, looking at fan letters after the first movie came out, and there's a letter from a kid that he kind of took a passage of and stuck it near his um, laptop or his computer, and it said this. Get to the dinosaurs faster. Yeah, and Which, I mean the opening sequence is like boom. But so I mean oh. Jurassic Park, you had that too with the with the gatekeeper and the Velociraptor. But well, no, yeah, I mean, but I see, get they, it. They, 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 but see, in Jurassic Park one with the gatekeeper and the Raptor, they Spielberg did a Jaws thing where you only got glimpses of the Raptor. You know, you didn't even know it was a Raptor properly. Whereas in Jurassic Park two, you you know, you see the compy and it's a full shot bright sunlit day it's there in all its glory <laughs> you know it, 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 it's a great sequence but it always feels a bit like he's there going fine you want your dinosaurs up front here there you go now <laughs> let me get to 40 minutes of character development let me get to the stuff i really want to do <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, and speaking of character development i know like neither one of us like the um like the family dynamic the daughter dynamic it uh, it just didn't work i, I, I mean it, it, it's funny re-watching that re-watching that um for preparation for this yeah i didn't like the daughter but nowhere near as much as i used to hate the character and that dynamic it doesn't annoy me as much except for that one scene with the raptors <laughs> yeah yeah the high bar the gymnastic scene yes, yes. You from apart from that yeah, yeah. Apart from that scene, her relationship with Malcolm, it's okay. It adds extra tension. But in a movie where you're going to an island with dinosaurs, you've got enough tension. It's just that yeah, thing of, I, I think... 
sorry. No, 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 no. And it's funny you say that where like dinosaurs aren't like, like special anymore. That's basically the entire premise behind Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. a part yeah, of the I mean, dialogue, a part of the scene where they have to yeah. like make new dinosaurs because, you know, people see a, a what what does they say? People see a, 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 a triceratops and they're just yeah. boring. They're like, whatever she says. And he's like, dinosaurs, wow enough. And, but she goes, they're not, yeah. they're not special anymore because they're, they're just normal. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it's, it's Jurassic Park it's normalized like dinosaurs for the fans. So the Lost World, you have to, you have to step it up. You have to change. You have to do something bigger. Yeah. Every movie and, just has to get, and it's, it's hard. Well, but that's the thing. It also comes down to sequel problems, which is, you know, we talked about a bit. Of, we talked a bit of this with um, the Mummy Returns, but you know, first movie comes out, not expecting to be a big hit. Second movie, they're doing, and basically they're they're told, okay, you're getting all the money now. So, of course, the story gets bigger. The cast, it gets bigger. And everything gets bigger. So, okay, Jurassic Park 1, we've got one T-Rex. In Jurassic Park 2, we're going to have two and a baby. We're going to have, like, four four raptors in the first movie. This time around, we're going to have a basically a unit of raptors. <laughs> yeah. You know, certain, you know, okay, we didn't have Stegosaurus. Everyone loves Stegosaurus. We're going to bring those in. You know, it is one of those things where, yeah, it is a, it's a proper sequel where, yeah, they got more money so they could do more stuff. And it sure. works to a point. <laughs> to a point. No, you're right. So, um, so like we do on every show, um, we're going to read the IMDb description and see how... Oh, uh, this is as bad how, as the first one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see how, I guess, accurate it is. Uh, I mean, this one's actually very accurate. It's just also it's very accurate, boring. Oh, yeah, it doesn't make yeah, me want to watch it. <laughs> No, it doesn't. It says a research team is sent to Jurassic Park Site B Island to study the dinosaurs there while an InGen team approaches with another agenda. So right there, you're like, Snore. Site B? Really? What? I'm confused. Yeah. So Because yeah. there yeah, was no Site B in the first movie. There was no hint at I, it. There was no, oh, well, no, because in that movie, you, you saw the dinosaurs being created on site. So, yep. but you find out later in the movie that it wasn't really a site B. It was actually site A. And they kind of had an accident and then created another park, which to, is yeah. site A, technically. But yeah, and that was the whole Nick Van Owen, like, whoa, when he sees the Jurassic Park sign behind the front desk of the operations center, which was actually just the front desk for the original Jurassic Park. Yep. Yeah, oh, so yeah. that was oh. that was that was a cool moment. But yeah, that was site B was actually site A, and it was another cover up. So that just leads lends to John Hammond is not a very good person. <laughs> no, and and that's the thing. Um, the second movie, like Jurassic Park two, the movie really actually makes Hammond into the character he was from the books. Because in the book, in in Jurassic Park one, the book, yeah, he is not Mister Cuddly Santa Claus. He's a businessman, 100% a businessman. And, okay, you know, in the book, he we didn't talk about this in the previous episode, but in Jurassic Park, the book, he gets killed by the compies. And his death, they actually use in Jurassic Park 2 for Peter Stormare's character, Dieter. Um, great great character yeah. actor. Oh, yeah. Anytime Peter Stormare's great. in a movie, you just know it's go, it gets elevated. It's like, say, Denny Trejo. It's like 
Yeah. You know, we've talked about this, um, Nicolas Cage. You know, you might hate the movie he's in, but he's always entertaining. Yeah, he's always entertaining. I mean, he so, was, uh, he, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the guy riding the warhead in Armageddon, right? Is that the same actor? <laughs> no, that's Steve Buscemi, but he's the Russian cosmonaut. You know, oh, he's the Russian cosmonaut that's beating the machine with the wrench. Okay, yeah. Yes. I knew he yes, was in that yes. movie. I'm like, no, yes. Steve Buscemi was going uh, space nuts. Yeah, uh, and he's space crazy, <laughs> and he's riding the warhead. Can you please yep. get off the warhead or whatever? Yes, but, uh, please get off the nuclear warhead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, the Russian cosmonaut and, is the one that's beating all of the machines yep. with the big wrench. Yeah, yeah, no, yep. he, he, yep. Was, and, he was great. Oh, yeah, yeah he, he, he makes that. Every time I watch Armageddon, and it is on a good rotation because it's just so dumb yeah. and so awesome. Every time he and appears. A great cast, just, another great cast, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Every time he appears in that movie, I get a big smile on my face. And that's the thing. Like Armageddon, like the first Jurassic Park movie where we talked about it, this this one, JP2, has one hell of a cast. It's yeah, surprising no, it really how does. great the cast is. I mean, okay. Yeah, because you know, you're got... you're missing yeah, you're you're missing Sam Neill and Lauren Dern, you know, and yeah. and well most of the other cast is dead. Uh, you know, as far as you know, characters <laughs> Samuel Jackson, Wayne Knight, all those guys. But um no, yeah, this was a, we've got, and, you and, know, yeah, yeah, we got Jeff Goldblum no, go. returning. Yep, um, Richard Attenborough returning oh. for basically what amounts to a cameo. You've got the two kids; they're back in what amounts to a cameo. Yeah, short cameo. Oh. Uh, Vince Vaughn's really early in his career. You uh, know, major project for him. Uh, yep. Julianne Moore, who is you know yep. she's she's done good for her entire career. She's always been you know solid at at, at her job. I mean, she's a good actress. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Ar- Arliss Howard plays a good, good bad guy. Although he does oh, become yeah, yeah. quite the quite the alcoholic <laughs> as well, the yeah, movie and, progresses. And, and the, I mean, that's that's the joys of the cutting room floor. I mean, it's it is one of those things where there is a scene that got cut from the from the movie where you see him drinking, and he gets a little tipsy after. I think it's before he does his speech to the investors, okay. and he breaks so before the Triceratops. Cops. Yeah. yeah, it's before all that, and he gets a little gets a little merry, and he breaks the t- the baby T Rex's leg. That was that was the explanation for how the leg got broken. Oh uh, yeah, because you, you 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 assume it's Roland and and Ajay that uh, yeah break the leg, but that doesn't feel like a Roland that's, or Ajay thing to no, do. That, so. and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, like okay, you're, that's another great cast member, Pete Postlewaite as Roland, the big game hunter, and and yeah, that's a character who wouldn't unnecessarily hurt an animal even to lure in its parents taking taking the baby t-rex away from its parents it's going to cry and call out anyway so you know yeah it it doesn't feel like his character um you know you got richard schiff as eddie you know one of one of a a great actor a great character and probably one of the one of the the deaths in the series i've always hated (laughs) It yeah. was it was it was it was quite early uh, for it to happen, but I guess they they needed it to happen. I guess for that scene to yeah. work. Well, that's the thing. This movie suffers from plot. This is this is a movie that suffers from plot. There are it's like certain characters do the most idiotic things you can think of just for the plot. <laughs> yeah, like like Peter, <laughs> like Dieter. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like it's like yeah, do yeah. wanders off on an island to go take I'm like dude there's a tree right there take a leak it's like you don't uh-huh. need to wander off 
but or make sure the guy want... that you isn't listening to his radio or isn't listening to his Walkman. You know, it's <laughs> like that was kind of dumb. <laughs> yep, there's that, but there's also okay. You know, um, Julianne Moore's character, Sarah Harding, who I think is the absolute worst character in the entire franchise. <laughs> She, uh, yeah, she is so inconsistent. Yeah. She is so inconsistent. She is supposed to be an expert on predators. She's supposed to be an expert on a couple of things, yet she sees a, she's not been on the island for a lot longer than the others, and she sees a stegosaurus, a baby stegosaurus. She takes some photos. She gets as close as possible, and then what does she do? She reaches out and touches. She squeezes its snout, and yes, it's a great moment for the audience. It's a noir moment for the audience, but the reality is. No expert in those fields would do the same as taking a wounded baby T-Rex into an RV to heal. That is all for the plot. Yeah, because they, they needed that scene to develop so they could have that yep. tractor or that trailer scene. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. And it's a great scene. It's a great scene. Same as if she was, she actually says it after the trailer scene, after after the, the, the trailer scene, you know, they're talking about moving, staying, all that, and... The other, the InGen expert, um, Burke, he makes a comment yeah. and she pipes up saying, no, you're wrong. The T-Rex has the largest olfactory, record, olfactory um, cavity in record, in fossil records. He will be able to smell, they can smell like some outrageous distance. She says that. And yet she doesn't get rid of the jacket with the baby T-Rex blood that the parents can smell still. Yeah. Mm. She is so we needed we needed the T-Rex to we needed the T-Rex to track her. I mean we get it. Yeah, that's the thing. So. This movie suffers from plot. <laughs> yeah, and like Roland putting his shotgun down or his elephant rifle down. Uh yeah. elephant rifle. Yeah. And putting putting yeah. it down. No, and he's Near. the hunter, the weapons guy. There's no way that that yep. would have ever happened if he was a real hunter. Or, he or, would have never put he, the weapon he, down. Especially next well, to Nick who wanted to take the yeah. gun anyways. Or he would have, if he had put it down, he then would have double-checked everything. Yeah, he would have checked the load. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, this is one oh, of the movies, uh, as I've said. Peter yeah. Stormy, uh, he looks like the singer from Rammstein. Oh, Till Lindemann. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he kind of looked like him for a second. I was like, well, he, yes, he does. especially now, yes. the older Peter kind of looks like Till. <laughs> so, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. But oh, yeah. Oh, as, as, do you as know I who said, was? Do you know who was uh, offered uh, Peter Ludlow but turned it down? Oh, I, I did read this somewhere before. Um, it I was, was uh, uh, Gary Oldman. Yes, yes, that's right. Which yeah, it would have been a different. It would have been a different character. It, it would have been, been a completely different been character. More, oh, he would have been more intense and more physically scary whereas with yeah. ludlow he brings his, the banality of corporation that's what he brings yeah, he, which is he's also just worse. yeah he's just a spineless you know billionaire bureaucrat whatever and he's just for the profit he's a weasel he's a weasel yeah. he's uh, not i mean gary that, oldman wouldn't have been a weasel gary oldman would have been no. like he oh, probably would have gone psychotic let alone yeah. turned into an alky yeah so um, but I love like prime example that there's a great part. It's after the T-Rex attack, the first T-Rex attack, they're doing their little march together and Malcolm's talking to Ludlow and Ludlow starts t saying this speech and Malcolm cuts him off and says, you know, 
when you try, try to sound like Hammond, you come across even more disingenuous or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, that, yeah, that's uh, what that he says, uh, it, from you, it, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like it's a con. And, uh, yes. he goes, uh, but, uh, but they say, uh, generation or, uh, talent skips a generation. So your kids will be sharp as tax. And then this was the first time I actually realized that that's Tim and Lex's dad. Yes. <laughs> and he gets slaughtered on this, the island. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. It, 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 see, this is, this movie, like the first one, has some great lines in it. You know? Like, no, it does. It really does. Uh, oh, yeah. Like one of my favorites. It's um, after the T Rex attack, and it's from Roland. You know, He's talking about getting the getting everyone up and ready, and Malcolm calls him out on the fact that you know um, Eddie died and saved their lives and all that. And um, Roland says, you know, about Eddie, he, then his troubles are over. My point is, predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. And Nick pipes up with, "No, only humans do." And the line I like from Roland is, "Oh, you're breaking our hearts. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, no. That, see, I, I I think they missed an opportunity. That character should have been in it more, or he should have been a bigger part of it. Yeah, um, the, the, the it biggest was opportunity. Yeah, the, the problem I had with his character, not that he didn't, he did a great job doing it, but it it, it was just it was a, a a cookie cut from Jurassic Park, you know, and oh, it was like Muldoon. with Muldoon. I mean, he it's, he's the same he's the same character. I mean, Muldoon well, I was, was their game warden, but he was obviously a big game hunter, and he was probably South African, yeah. if I had to guess. Like, it's all the same. <laughs> it's the same. Well, yeah, it's I, the I, same character, and I'm like, yeah, no, I, I see what you mean, and I think, hey, no problem with the character this, portrayal. I mean, no, it's but great. I, 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 not, I see what you mean, but I think that part of the problem is the way they did the movie and the way they kind of brought everything together. It, you're right. He does have that samey quality to Bob Peck and Muldoon. And that's why mm -hmm. I think if they had kind of got right, we're going to basically, you know, make him our central character where, you know, he's, you know, maybe he's got in window of sight B and he's gone there to hunt a T-Rex. I think that would have been way more interesting than, you know, Injun's going to take out the dinosaurs. He's there to help Injun take the dinosaurs to a brand new park in San Diego, which is very similar when I just think about just now to hit me. It's very similar to, the character Ted Levine plays in Fallen Kingdom as well and what they're planning yep. to do. Um, man, this franchise is really cyclical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They uh, recycle really well. They're, yeah. they're very good recyclers. So yeah, they are. I just definitely, definitely a California-based company. <laughs> very good. Very good at it. Yeah, I like that. Just to even um, things out, I'm going to throw a bunch of beer cans in my garbage. I, I got I to... Gotta... <laughs> I, I got to even it out. It's very bothersome. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but that's the thing. I think by making it, you know, by having the idea that John Hammond is sending in this team to, in money quotes, study the dinosaurs in their, money quotes, natural habitat, because that's not true. Their natural habitat is gone and will always be gone. Yeah. And then having the other part, which is InGen itself, come in to, you know, take what they want, like, you know, because in this movie, man is bad as that terrible 
on the nose part after the um, great game trail sequence happens and they do the close-ups of Nick, Ian and all them and they're all looking quite, you know, doom and gloom and it's quite obvious what Spielberg is saying. Um, oh, I just forgot the rest of my point. <laughs> I was saying, where are you going with this? But apparently you I had, I had either. I had it. No, I had a point and it's gone. I should well, well, need to make, I will I say I will say though, uh just completely off topic, but it's probably a good thing. <laughs> uh uh as of twenty sixteen, um this was the only sequel that Steven Spielberg directed that had that was not related to Indiana Jones. <laughs> I think and I, honestly, I think that was a that's been a good little rule he's had. <laughs> Yeah, uh, okay. I was actually very, like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I'm thinking of, like, his massive movies. Most of his massive movies are standalones. They're just one-offs. Yeah. They're not, right. and he didn't, yeah. So, I mean, you're sitting here going, huh, okay, yeah. But at the same time, what made him choose Indy? Well, you know what I mean? Like, that, where that... where did that break the mold? Where did that break the rule? Oh, it was like, oh, that's easy. That's easy. That's just, cu- that's that, easy. That's that just curious to me. Well, see, as far as I, the way I've always looked at it in like this sort of conversation, like when you talk about Spielberg and his lack of sequels, except for indie, it's this he loves indie, he loves that world. You know, like when you listen to or you read the transcripts from when he, George Lucas, and Lawrence Kazdan were coming up with the character of indie and everything. George Lucas is doing a lot of talking, but you can tell the passion is all coming from Spielberg. You know, yeah. Indiana Jones is his jam. So I think for him, because he is he he was the father, co-father, co-parent of Indiana, he was not going to let anyone else yeah. touch it. Yeah. Um, no, whereas with Jurassic I mean, Park, you know, and Jurassic Park, you know, that was a case of he didn't even, even he didn't know if he was going to come back for Lost World. It wasn't until... Um, Oh, I, I was reading this. <laughs> um, I was reading this somewhere. I but wasn't, so I'm in the dark. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Um, but basically, it was, that, it was a case of he didn't know he was going to do it. Basically, until like the 11th hour, it wasn't until he kind of went, oh, I could do Lost World. I could do a Lost World-style story. And that kind of made him go, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's one I of those I also like things. how they keep upping the kill count in these movies. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, hell, you've got to do that. Because that's the thing. Like, no matter how you want to put this, you know, you can say, yes, I watch these movies because of the characters. You know, like, you've got people who say, yeah, I love Ian Malcolm, or I love Alan Grant, or I love this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the characters. You're only seeing, you're going to see Jurassic Park or Jurassic World for one reason and one reason only, to watch dinosaurs do what they do best, which is wreck shit and kill and eat. Yeah, yeah. I know, but it is it is amazing when you think about it. Um, like, like what the first movie is classified as, with it being a little. I don't want to say darker, but it is a little bit more of that suspense thriller um, than this movie, and well, oh, than yeah. any of the the subsequent movies. Um, but in the first movie, only four characters die. Uh, technically, I guess five if you include the gatekeeper at the beginning. Well, but, yeah, um, <laughs> but. Of like the main cast, you have four four characters in the current storyline because that was the prequel that had happened before. That was the lawsuit mm-hmm. they were talking about. 
um, but only four characters died during like the main conflict, I guess we'll call it. And it, it, it is kind of, I guess it's just you applaud how well they did that movie considering it wasn't a big kill count and it, you didn't really feel like all of the good guys are going to make it out of the end because people were dying, but at the same time, it was so strategically placed with these deaths that yep. they actually meant that they probably, they meant more, you know, cause the cast was so small, mm -hmm. really. I mean, when you really think about it, it was a very small oh, yeah. cast in Jurassic park of like the main, once everything started, it was a very, very, very small cast. So it was like every yes. death meant something where in this movie, all the Marlboro men are just getting slaughtered left and right. <laughs> Great line, by the way. But all the Marlboro yeah. men were getting slaughtered <laughs> left and right. And then dress, uh, I guess Dress of Park 3 was probably a small kill count, too. Because uh, that oh, was, was another of, it... like, the original kind of feel where it was a yeah. small team. But uh, then Jurassic World, it's out, it's out to building. <laughs> well, yeah. And see, that, that idea, you know, that, what you were just saying, that goes back to sequels with bigger, better, more. And honestly, I mean, the... With Jurassic Park 2, the sequence with the raptors, um, you know, the raptors in the long grass. Okay, that's a great sequence, especially there's that great overhead shot. You see them, you see the Marlboro men coming down, and then the raptors, yeah. just the tips of the heads bobbing and creating those trails. Yeah, that was you my could, favorite. That was my favorite sequence in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could take that sequence and just change the music to be dun dun, and it works still. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that was that was like you said when you you see the lines being traced and they're and then they start getting yep. picked off one by one, uh -huh. and but they're also showing the Velociraptors' hunting skills because you know how they say yes, excuse me we, they we've... they attack from the sides and they you know they, they're pack hunters. Yes, so. and we've only heard about that. Oh yeah, that's the thing. As as I've always said, the stuff that works in this movie works brilliantly, and the stuff that doesn't work, yeah. it is just painful. I mean, okay. The opening with the um with the family, you know the the rich family on the cruise, and they've stopped off yeah. at some island, some mysterious island. And the little girl with the sandwiches, and it's roast beef, um, <laughs> you know, wandering <laughs> off alone on an island where they don't know anything about this. Okay, bad parenting right there. But and they double the up company. on the pretentiousness. They they double up on the pretentiousness if you watch where she goes to pick up the champagne bottle and then she steps back and then calls the servant over. So uh, it's yep. that, that was a nice it's, little addition because that was, that was just you making sure like, well, the girl's going off on her own, but what it's expected oh, of get the people exactly. like this. And, I, guess. I don't know. And, and, and fun fact, the father is played by Robin Sachs, who's the villain from galaxy quest. Well, you're right. Great movie. <laughs> yep. Great yep. movie. That, 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 you know, he's in all, he's in that crustacean outfit, but that's him. <laughs> but yeah, that little that's girl funny. goes off and with her sandwich, you know, down the beach and she comes across a compi and, you know, first time a little girl's seen a dinosaur, that sort of thing. And instead of going, what the hell is that? And, and screaming or being afraid, all she does is tries to feed it and then, then shouts, mommy and daddy, I found something. Come look. And then she gets swarmed. See, this movie for, really does fall under horror movie logic, which is characters do the dumbest things for no reason except for plot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And I guess what I also figured out is that she is 
uh, more durable of a human being than Dieter. Yes, yes, because then later on, when Ian goes to see Malcolm, he makes comment about the wee little girl who's in hospital. She's fine. She's fine. (laughs) But in that case, her parents and the um, you know, and the servants would got to her in time, whereas Dieter, he was all alone. But he's he's a big bad Marlboro man. He should have been able to defend himself from some tiny little chihuahuas. See, this is horror movie logic coming into play now. (laughs) You know? But that opening sequence does give us one of the greatest cuts in cinema. The mum comes around the corner, we see her face, she screams, and then we do a match cut to Malcolm yawning on the subway as her scream turns into the grinding of the subway. It's a it's it's so stupid, but it always makes me smile <laughs> that cut. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then you get and the it, really, really super annoying guy, the rar guy on the uh, subway that's just annoying. Wait, wait, Malcolm. wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, there's two super annoying guys in that sequence. Is one of me and Malcolm? <laughs> yes. I hate what they did to his character. And yes, I know people say he's suffering from post, you know, from trauma, you know, being on, on in the first movie, he's been affected, he's now more serious. Yes, I get that. But then if you look at his character portrayal in Jurassic World Dominion, he's back he's doing Jeff Goldblum. He's not being any Malcolm, he's just doing Jeff Goldblum shtick. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, that was obvious because, I mean, honestly, Ian Malcolm is not a strong enough character to lead a movie. Uh, he's a yes. sidekick. He's a, he's yes. a part of an ensemble. He's not a yes, he's he, not a lead actor. So, which is why uh, you make Roland the main character, or even Nick. I mean, hell, yeah. they, they they wasted Nick. Yeah, he, his character just yeah. disappears for no reason. <laughs> yeah, once they get rescued from the island he's he's done because i mean at that point his his character arc is over because he went to the island with with them at uh did he have a character arc that was it excuse me i didn't think he had a character arc i kind of thought he was there he carried he carried bolt cutters Ooh, and he got to use them you're right his character arc was over (laughs) and i will 100 percent reiterate again I feel terrible right now, so I've hit the mute button about 60 times because my nose is running something fierce right now. That, that's uh, why I'm we, doing a lot more talking. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, we have our one season change, uh, so it's actually getting actually quite pretty down here right now. Uh, so uh, right now it's like 79 to like 82 Fahrenheit, and uh, the lows are in the 60s. It's actually like beautiful for us. Uh, next week it's going to be 20 degrees colder than that. Um, so I'm going to have a lot of problems and, uh, my allergies are terrible in South Florida. And then when the weather changes, it gets awful. Then I'll be fine through the spring. And then when summer hits and it starts to get like sweaty, uh, I'll get sick (laughs) again. It's just my sinuses. Uh, So we just happen to be going through a season change while I've been pushing back a podcast because of no power. See, if I'd done this podcast on time, I'd be sick now, but the audience would know. <laughs> Shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> so right now I'm going to pause my mic and uh, blow my nose. So while you, the floor while is you do that, I'll, thank you very much. See, okay. One of, like we, we talked about that very briefly with the rapture sequence, but okay, the, the game trail hunt. That, that's a secret. Uh, that's one of like that's one of the moments where you can't sit there and go ooh and ah because 
the camera is moving in such an erratic way. You've got all the uh, Marlboro men, and then you've got the CG dinosaurs. As far as a 1997 compositing feat for ILM, they did a pretty bang-up job. And also, it introduces Ludlow in a much better way than his first scene with Ian, where he just comes across as a snooty businessman. In this sequence, you know, he's trying to set up, he's ordering base kept saying being set up. And our introduction to the role is the same same moment. You know, there's Lolo saying, yep, we'll set up base camp here. I want it done in 30 minutes. You know, that's half an hour over. He turns around and says, you know, look, you want me to do, you want me to be the leader of your little, um, you know, this little escapade. I'm happy to do that. But you've got to listen to what I say. This is not the place to do it. This is a game trail. Yeah. You know, all you've got to do is um, tell us we're doing a good job, open a case of whiskey at the end of a good day, and keep out of my way. <laughs> yeah. And I like how they put a little tidbit in there of, uh, I've been on too many safaris with rich dentists. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, that was long before that uh, poaching hunting controversy mm-hmm. with the rich dentist. And if people know what I'm talking about, uh, that was a huge news item it, it, for, for the right reasons. It was a terrible oh, yeah. thing that guy did. But uh, for people that don't know, uh, a rhinoceros was lured. Rhino or lion? I thought it was a lion. Lion. Okay. Either way. Uh, Uh, I I could be mistaken, but. I think you're right. A lion was lured out of a protected uh, area by poachers or by, uh, what are they they called? Uh, We'll just call them poachers because they are. And uh, lured out of a protected. No, they're assholes. Uh, lured out of a <laughs> out of a protected area, uh, and then he was, or it was, uh, shot to death by this um, dentist, and yeah. uh, because the lion was killed outside of a protected area, legally there wasn't a lot that could be done except blast this guy's name all over the internet, which people proudly did. Um, oh yeah, which. Uh, believed got so bad that he lost his practice. So good for him. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what you get for being an asshole in today's world with the internet. So don't be an asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that, like, that, that line about, you know, rich dentists, great line. Yes, it's, uh, but, but so, that yeah, was like 10 years where... before that oh. happened. And I just thought that yeah. was poetic in a way. Oh, it is. It is poetic. But also when you kind of think of, okay, what type of person goes on a safari, goes on a hunting trip that sort of nature yeah, of course it's going to be a dentist they're not a real doctor <laughs> it's, there dentists unne- it's, it's unnecessary it's like there's no but see then his line uh his line about the chap that he couldn't remember his name that climbed to the top oh, of yeah. everest yep was the perfect explanation on roland's mentality is yes. you know the chap said you know, somebody asked him, why did you go up to Everest to die? And he's like, I didn't go up to Everest to die. I went up there to live. And that's yep. just, but that's the, that's what Roland gets out of hunting these predators is that's his way of living. That's like his way of oh, yeah. feeling life is these big, it, it, these big game hunts. Yeah. It's a very similar line to um, the, the um, an old movie from the archers. It's called um, the red shoes. It's one of Martin Scorsese's favorite movies. It's a, it's, from Powell and Pressburger, it's a great Technicolor movie when Technicolor was still a big thing in it. Um, 
a empresario of a ballet company asks a would-be ballerina that he's thinking of having on he you know he says to her why do you want to dance and she says why do you want to live his answer is because i have to it's that same sort of mentality and yeah i I, uh, to me it always felt like david cove gave more thought to roland as a character than he did to anyone else just for that sort of line yeah but that's the same with us I mean, that's the same with us with being a writer. Is there some characters you just identify with more that you like? That's like that's like me and my Jack Riley character. I, Ed, every time I write down to write that character, it's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy because there's just there's something about that character that I just adore, and when I write it, it it doesn't feel hard. It doesn't feel like. I'm having to like work in certain things. It just comes out naturally. And I think movies at the end of the day, it's 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 the same process in that you're writing these characters, you're writing their backstories, and that specific writer is more or less probably just going to stumble upon a character they just like writing better than the other characters. Yep. So naturally, here we are. You have this amazing character um, that just the movie didn't dictate needed more time. You know, I did like oh, that. Yeah. He didn't die. I like, I liked his exit, his yes. helicopter exit where he said, uh, about being around, uh, he had his fill of being around death. death. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, and his exit and, with the, and, with the suitcase, with the hat and he left. I'm like, that was a yeah, very, it, very, it's a great beautiful ending for him. It's a great exit. And yeah, your eyes are right. And the, and that line, it's got a double meaning because it can either be about the T-Rex and what, and the hunting, or it could just be about Ludlow. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. No, but and Pete uh, Pothaway, he just nails that character perfectly. Yeah, he does. He does. And his 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 bickering back and forth with Nick was great. The two of them bounced off each other really well. And then, you know, yes. and then that was the scene where he's asking him about, you know, uh, you know, animal exists for the first time in tens of millions of years and the only way you can uh celebrate is by killing it. <laughs> Yes. So, or the only way you can express yourself is by killing it. And, and, but, but before that, he said, you know, you seem like you have a shred of common sense, you know, what the hell are you doing here? Like, and they're literally sitting there just having a very honest conversation with one another. Yep. So, cause and Nick's that, reason for, reasoning for being there is very honest. You know, he's an environmentalist. He's a conservationist. Yep. Uh, you know, he's, that's, that's what he does. And then Roland, he's, so they're just talking together. So it was, it, they're dialogue and then how nick kind of took control when roland went to go look for uh dieter yep and that was what you were you were talking about earlier was when uh is when um uh oh god what the heck's his name oh ludlow when ludlow was saying come on let's go let's go uh-huh. and and then nick's like come on guys let's get the hell out of here and then everybody and all, stands and walks yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the thing i mean okay your central characters uh malcolm and sarah are poorly written and your side characters, Nick is a side character, and Roland is definitely a side character. They're written so much better, and it just boggles the mind that that happened. You would think the side characters would be a little bit less awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and that goes back to the Ian Malcolm character just not being strong enough to lead a movie. Yeah, and, and Sarah Harding just, not... just sucking. <laughs> Yeah, which is which but, is which is sad. Which is sad because you're, you're like sitting here going, so you don't really have a lead character. No, 
no, you know, they don't. Where Sam Neill was the obvious lead. You know, Alan yeah. Grant was the obvious lead in oh, yeah. Jurassic Park. In this case, yeah. you're like, uh, it's it's like a true ensemble, I guess, but nobody takes the lead but, eventually. Nobody like steps but, out and becomes the leader. And that's, and that's the thing. The, even in an ensemble piece, there's always that character that you can't, that the story does revolve around. For example, in Aliens, yes, it's an ensemble piece with the Marines and everything, but we still, Ellen Ripley is still the character. Yeah. You look at um, the Suicide Squad, not the first one, but the second one. Sure. Al our main character in that it's Bloodsport played by Idris Elba and to a lesser extent it is Harley Quinn yeah you always have that character everything is built around even in an ensemble piece for example uh, there's the Guy Ritchie movie called The Gentleman came out in 2019 fantastic movie it's got one hell of an ensemble cast the main character that everything revolves around is played by Matthew McConaughey yeah well that was and, like uh, and, event, like Avengers Avengers, uh-huh. like the Avengers movie is the, the pinnacle of like an ensemble cast, but the movie was Robert Downey Jr. versus Chris Evans. Yes. It was their personalities clashing with one another that led that movie. And then honestly yep. led the entire franchise because they always had that different uh, way of life, you know, because, you know, Downey being the philanthropist playboy, you know, and then Evans being the very much soldier, you know, or... Uh, mm-hmm. Steve being the very much soldier and it was always yeah. their way of life just never really worked out for the two of them um, to the point to where they made a pretty terrible Captain America movie named called Civil War oh, but um, the comic the comic is so much better <laughs> yeah it should have just been called Avengers Civil War it was not a Captain America movie I don't care oh no no but it was also the base storyline was great but I'm like this is not a oh the execution anyways. was horrible <laughs> but yeah poor execution poor execution um, and, and see okay like, you know, we're talking about Nick Owen being a good character. He's an okay yeah. character. He's not fantastic. And the reason why is his introduction, he's brought in as like a cameraman and, you know, he, he he's a nature photographer. He's a bit of a sleaze at times with the comment about women. That's why he was feel, uh, he was taking photos of Greenpeace. <laughs> yep. And then all of a sudden he becomes this hardcore environmentalist. I'm the backup plan, you know. And he's got bolt yeah. cutters. And all he does is release the animals. Not much of a backup plan. Because he was, yeah, cut, they kind of positioned him to be, yeah. well, yeah, but they can't position him to kind of become, he could have become the central character, been the action hero. He could have taken over. But they dropped the ball. <laughs> but at the same time, then why is Jeff Goldblum involved? Someone you can't bring paycheck. in. You can't bring. Yeah, you can't bring in a new character, brand new character to the series with a relatively unknown actor, and him lead the franchise or the movie with a very recognizable character from the previous success. And True. that's the thing is because you had the, you had the the trinity of you know, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum, and now Jeff Goldblum is the only returning actor, so he's naturally the lead character. Which okay, you can do so... that, but at, but then at some point you could they could have incapacitated him, and then Nick takes over. He did. He he was limping for a little bit at the end. No, when I say incapacitated, like he gets eaten, but he's the one who gets eaten, not Eddie. <laughs> Although, true. When I my last rewatch of it, I kind of 
I, I said it out loud. I went, yep, it should have been Sarah who got eaten by the T-Rexes and not Eddie. <laughs> he was more useful than she was. <laughs> Seriously, he was more useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah, she should have been eaten by the um, dino, by the T-Rexes and not Eddie because Eddie was a better character. He was a better character not only in performance, but also he was more useful. He was the tech guy. You know, he would have been perfect to have with the Raptors with the, um, you know, he should have been the one to go and do the radio call, not Nick. And during the finale, he probably would have had a better idea to lure the um, T-Rex back to the boat instead of Sarah using baby T-Rex. Yeah. And I think that's where them bringing in the family dynamic kind of kind of screwed him because killing her, uh, as far as what she means to ian's character and to kelly's character it it's one of those things where it then you have the whole aftermath of ian uh coping with that while also trying to survive and this and whatever i it would have added and that just opens up a whole nother yeah but it, i think it just opens up a whole nother can of worms when it comes to like but see it would have worked though stuff, because so. sarah dies ian's broken up who steps up and takes over the mission nick there we go. See, yeah. that's how you work it. <laughs> and anytime, true, true. anytime they pan over to mopey, droopy, crybaby, Malcolm, Nick just goes, "No, no, no, action man here. I'm going to go punch a uh, raptor in the fr- in the face. That way, in the next movie, it can't go Alan." Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way that it could have been fixed was yeah. they didn't know each other. Yes. Maybe yes. that's how they. Maybe that's how they meet. You know, they, they meet each other, and they don't get along with each other the entire movie. Yes. And then something happens, and they ooh, you know, start feeling for each other, and then uh-huh. that's when she dies. So it was yep, like a, yep, a new love thing. They didn't have to be boyfriend and girlfriend. Like Kelly still could have been there. That could have been his daughter on the trip, but they didn't have to and have a she relationship could have with... with. Yeah, it could have yeah, been. They didn't have to have a prior Sarah, relationship. Yeah. yeah so. And that, yeah. that would and have I mean, made, yeah. And it makes it make, actually makes more sense for her for her to not know Ian because you know she could be doing things and Ian still you know because throughout the movie he's chastising Nick and Eddie he's saying look you guys are doing stupid things you know it's a dinosaur it's not cute it's going to hurt you it's going to kill you Sarah's doing all this other stuff and he's trying to tell her the same stuff and she's not listening now she even in the movie says I you've told me the stories I've heard all the stories before. Yet she is still acting like an idiot. Yep. It's that yep. thing of her character. If she didn't know Ian to begin with, her character then makes more sense and probably won't be, wouldn't be as insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word for her character is insufferable. Cause there, there's a lot going on with her character that just doesn't make sense for her background. You know, yes. for the for the character's background, her the portrayal of the character or the actions of the character are very very off. They just yes. don't they don't do it justice. Like you know, like you're saying, Roland, uh, you know, Pothwaite's portrayal of the character was perfect, and yeah. I think that was a lot of it was. I mean, it's not necessarily Julian Moore. It's also just the writing. It's the character development just wasn't good. Yes, or the the well, that's yeah. Well, that's I was going to go, Her no, character. but then I'm like, yeah, what I said was what I yeah, actually no, it makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But, see, her character in the movie is actually two characters from the book put together. 
that's why that it, she's so over all over the place. It's because um, David Cobb took two separate characters and made them into one. So it's that thing of to condense on characters, which still doesn't make sense. <laughs> sure, you have two separate personalities fighting in one character, and yeah, Julianne Moore. She actually does. She's she's good in the movie. Like as an actress, she's not bad. It's just the character sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was actually kind and, of interesting. Was this was the the number one grossing opening weekend in film history for like a nine or ten year span so it was like until yeah but you're sitting um, here going harry potter sorcerer stone yeah 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 but it was uh, just as far as like 2001 2001 okay yeah so it was like um so five years i thought it was a little longer but um or four or five years but uh oh yeah i guess sorcerer stone was 2001 i was thinking it was later in the philosopher's stone well the actual title stone no the actual title is harry potter and the philosopher's stone you you you, the only reason in the usa it's called the sorcerer's stone is because the publisher and the marketing guys went yeah joe america won't know what a philosopher is (laughs) seriously that's the reason that's true well yeah i mean the the philosopher's stone is an actual like mythical relic so i mean yeah the sorcerer's stone is not (laughs) but But you're a sorcerer harry (laughs) Yeah, You're he's a philosopher, a Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But... <laughs> I enjoyed that far too much. <laughs> I don't pretend to be an expert on that series. Oh, I, okay. I so, so we're gonna we're <laughs> further on down the road. Yeah, we're gonna do the Harry Potter movies just so you can become an expert. Uh, the only wizard I want to talk about is Merlin in the Sword in the Stone. <laughs> Not Gandalf. Yeah, I just I feel like those those podcasts are gonna take like two episodes a movie. It's gonna be rough. No, like <laughs> and I don't want to have to do homework. I don't want to have to do like when we no nah, see like when we talked about Golden Eye and that was like a three and a half hour episode and I did most of the talking with Lord of the Rings. It'll be you. It'll be that situation, but with you doing most of the talking. You're a bigger fan than I am. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Hobbit fan. Uh, the the Lord of the Rings I love, but the Hobbit is, and I'm a fan of the uh, movies. So I'm terrible right. when it comes to adaptations because the original books aren't my thing. It's the movies. Yeah, but this so, this is not armchair adaptations. This is armchair directors. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's true. It's true. And, that is I mean, true. Also, if we're going to talk about Merlin, then we got to talk about Excalibur. We got to talk about that movie if we're going to do Sword in the Stone. <laughs> yeah, we could do the Merlin miniseries starring Sam Neill. Love that. Yes. It yes. Was, it was yes. really good. It was it was really yes. good. That was fun. Had that a great good. cast. That was good. Had a great cast. Great cast. But great cast. <laughs> back to back to Jurassic Park, The Lost World, or The Lost World, yeah. Jurassic Park, or Jurassic Park 2, or as my, my personal favorite is Jurassic Park, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> it actually has it has, has a again. banger. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, you're delirious. Yeah. <laughs> It has one. Of, it has one of the best finales for a movie. I, you have to admit, the moment yeah. they go to San Diego and the venture, oh, it just hell breaks loose. It's great. Yeah, the venture crashes, and the T Rex escapes and it walks across. No one in the customs house, in in customs and immigration, <laughs> notices the dinosaur. Love that. The two folks yeah, the start immig- getting the, into the, the immigration house. People just arguing yep. and yelling at each other, and nobody sees. And he bangs in. Uh, he bangs through the sign that says "No animals allowed." Yeah, that was great. And so you know, 
he he steps up on the um on the rubble whatever it is and then he does yeah. the roar with the city in the background yeah to that me was cool. i i kind of go okay you could end the movie there and it's perfect <laughs> but no we get another 20 minutes of a t-rex terrorizing suburbia <laughs> yeah although i didn't like how they all of a sudden had a bunch of dead bodies on the venture but there was no way a dinosaur could have killed them it was very strange Oh come on! Your your question—that's that's what you take umbrage at in a movie with resurrected dinosaurs, in a movie with a character like Sarah Harding. That's the part well, you take umbrage well, at. <laughs> the pilot house that wasn't destroyed by an outside like large creature busting. Yeah, in. I know. <laughs> so something came through the doorways and yeah. slaughtered everyone. When the only things on the boat were still trapped beneath. Oh no. It's actually um, explained in the novelization, not Michael Crichton's book, but the actual novelization of the movie is explained. Oh, okay. A rogue raptor stows away on the ship. It kills the crew. Then it goes, and as it's trying to release the T-Rex, it eats it. The T-Rex eats it. Ah, well, there we go. That's, that's, that's the official canonical explanation that, if you believe gotcha. that, then I have a signed air guitar for sale. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, but Sound back in the Hendrix. release. So, you know, like when he uh, doesn't, um, what does he say? He goes, don't press that button. He hits it. The thing yep. bashes through the doors and then it stomps down, chases everybody. It's I'm like, great. okay, that it, it, it's, it's a great sequence. And of course, yeah, SS a, Venture, if people don't know, is a yep. nod to King Kong. That is yep. the ship from King Kong that brought Kong over. So that was uh, kind of cool. And that is oh, the yeah. second reference to King Kong we get in the series. Because the first yes. one was, oh, who are they hiding back there? King Kong? You don't want to see the doors. So in the, <laughs> the original. First time. So, and, yeah. it's from, and it's from the fun version of Ian Malcolm. Yeah, honestly. That was the version we needed. Yeah, yeah, not this PTSD suffering loser. <laughs> Where's well, the rock star? <laughs> yeah, they had to soften the character for him to be more likable, for him to be more like... Because Ian I, Malcolm I, was not supposed to be like overly likable. He was just supposed to be. But that's like... the power of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, you, no. I mean, Goldblum's with, um... a very likable guy. So, so I get it. Well, it's the same thing with um, David Cronenberg's remake of The Fly. Seth Brundle yeah. in that movie is not a nice, charming, good person. He's an obsessive asshole. But Jeff Goldblum's portrayal, you feel for this character. You don't want him to turn into the fly. That's the power of good Jeff Goldblum. True. <laughs> Before he got lazy. <laughs> and in the first Jurassic Park movie, he's a rock star. The way he's dressed, the 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 way the hair's done, and you know when he's on the hair quitter, he goes, he does that really strange bark laugh thing. <laughs> yeah, his mannerisms were very very bloomy. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. in lost world all that charm all that swagger everything that i liked about the character is gone and he just comes across as being bland yeah no you're right you're right and when you're right you're right and you know this guy he's right (laughs) anytime you get to do a space balls reference it works yeah yeah and and i mean the first time i saw Oh, the merchandising of Jurassic with the Jurassic Park franchise. Come on. Couldn't it's, go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But it's awesome. I mean, 
so the T-Rex goes through, and I love it. He 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 he's wandering through suburbia, breaks through a wall in the middle of the night, a retaining wall, like a dividing wall, and then he's yeah. drinking from a pool. No one hears this. No one seems to notice it except a ten-year-old kid. Yeah, who honestly has one of the best lines in the franchise. There's a dinosaur in our backyard. <laughs> My Which favorite is, is the, name the, T- of a... the T-Rex. Yeah, the T-Rex can be very stealthy when he wants to be. <laughs> His footsteps yes. get awfully soft when they don't need dramatic effect. Yes. Oh, yes. But I love the fact he breaks Kind of like when Ludlow walls. dies. Yes. Oh, yes. But... He's like, <laughs> I can't hear him. He's like, he's like a seal. It's like, what's, yep. it's like the, this, this dude's walking on feathers now. And all of a sudden there's no boom, boom, boom on a big steel ship. <laughs> like, okay. Wow. In the hollow out section. Yes, you're absolutely right. It should have been a gong. Yeah. But he breaks through this brick stone, this yeah. wall, and it just goes, it crumbles. It doesn't crash. It doesn't make any extraneous noise. But, you know, it, the kid says, you know, the kid says, you know, there's a dinosaur in our backyard. And I love it because I used to have a kid's book when I was a kid going through my dinosaur phase. I had a book called There is a Dinosaur in Our Backyard. <laughs> really? I don't know yeah. that one. Wow. Oh, yeah. It was okay. a great book. Um Oh, I don't have it anymore, but it was that thing where each page, it was about different dinosaurs living in your friends' and people's backyards. And it was basically okay. a way to learn the names of dinosaurs. It was great. Sure. And, you know, um, then they cut to Goldblum and, um, you know, to Ian and Sarah, and it's, how do we track this dinosaur? And he gets a great line and another great cut, you know, just follow the screams. And then we cut to some, a close-up of a Glenn Close lookalike. <laughs> yeah, throws your car into reverse and just backs into traffic yep so you know that is that 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 is um steven spielberg working on yep i'm just having fun with this sequence you can tell he's having a blast orchestrating with with, yeah with the dinosaur running into traffic and the car is veering and then my the bus my personal yeah the bus the bus was great the bus was actually really well done i i like that one a lot um everybody flying out the other side after it clubs it um Mm -hmm. But I, I love the gas station uh, little sequence. Oh, the 76 you know, he's ball. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, this thing's not going to know we have the, have it unless it wakes up. And then, and then like, and the ball rolls. And you're like, yes, he knows. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I love this. There's and then she's just like, um... do you think we should slow down? He's like, uh, nope. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like, Hell they, no. they have a they have a car chase they have a car chase between a little red corvette kind of thing and the t-rex it's great and the t-rex eats the script writer of the movie i think that's even funnier yeah um there's a yeah. blonde guy wearing glasses who tries to go into a shop and the t-rex grabs him that's david Cope. um with the uh last man standing poster just inside yes. the door Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And I love it when the bus goes through the... Um, yeah, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger as King Lear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from Last Man Standing, if people don't know. That came out the same year. You mean Last uh, Action Same year's Jurassic... Yeah, Last Action Hero. That come out the uh, Jurassic Park or, or Lost World? I can't remember which I movie that, that came... I thought that was, that was like 95. Could have been. Could have been. I thought it was coming Sad. out the same year as one of these two movies. Oh. Last action here is ninety three. Same year as the first. So one. So it's coming out as Jurassic Park. Yeah, and in in the last action hero, he's actually it's a parody trailer, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger doing 
Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. No, with, I remember that. That's fat, really funny. With a big fat stogie. It's great. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, the majority of The Lost World, it is quite a, I wouldn't say it's a slog, but it doesn't, it lacks a lot of the joy and the fun of the first movie. But once the T-Rex is on, is in San Diego, yeah, it, ha, it, it you can tell it's fun now. We're having a blast. It's stupid. It's silly. This is what people want to see, really. <laughs> Not... yeah really Droopy. honestly it is yeah and, and that's no and that's, and that's it's the, just it, it, that's the non-stop action and the suspense and stuff it, there's really no story at that point it's just the marvel of what you're watching yeah and yeah you know the rest of the series kind of embrace that you know Jurassic park three which we will talk about next yep that really kind of goes yep yeah they went yeah that that final sequence in two everyone loved it so much we're going to continue with that style Yep, but they um, also went and, bigger and more teeth. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Always definitely. with a sequel. Um, and Always, I mean, we, we especially in this franchise. Really t- oh, yeah, and we haven't really talked about this much, but the score from John Williams. Yes, it's very similar to the first movie, but it's actually a lot more different because of the feel. There's a lot more um, bongos and drum and rhythm to it than it yeah. is your typical John Williams score, which I think is great. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's got that, it's got that it's different enough to where. Yes. It's like, that's where I liked if, you know, when we watched uh, the, or at least I watched and you watched not together, but um, uh, the dial of destiny. So Indy five and you heard Raiders March, but it was a completely different production of it. It was yes. entirely different. The horns were different. Everything was different. And it was like, man, it's oh, like. That, I, 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 the watching that trailer, I got so excited. Yep, I got so excited for that movie now <laughs> after seeing yeah, that. And, and like everything, people are pissing all over it. But it's. Uh, yeah, but the, the that's fans, what, that's the what fans the internet will love does. it. Yeah, yeah that's the, thing. the internet pisses over everything until they're proven wrong. Prime example, Ben Affleck is Batman. He was announced as Batman, and everyone hated it. Everyone said it was the worst casting ever. Movie comes out, and holy, and everyone's like going, "Yep, that's Batman." <laughs> same thing. It'll yep. be the same thing with indie with this with um, Dial of Destiny. People will hate all over it, then they'll see it in the movie and come out going, "Oh man, yep, that was it. That was Indiana." <laughs> yeah, and they, they were saying something about the de aging, like ruining, like uh, some of the heart of the franchise. I, this, I, like, I, I, like. I thought like, it worked, like in the trailer. Do, has anybody great. not actually, do people actually think he's de-aged the entire movie? Like you do realize that's like, like the opening number where he's, yeah, they're introducing the villain. So it's like, well, you yeah. can't have an 80 year old indie 30 years prior. You need to have a 50 year old indie. You need to be last crusade indie, you know, late forties yeah. age. And how do you do that? Well, in today's movie making, you de-age the actor and it's like, and it looks phenomenal. I mean, they de-aged all the actors. They de-aged Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. They de-aged, you know, yes. Indy. I mean, Harrison looked... I, I, you can sometimes tell with de-aging where it's like that blank stare. Like that weird, yeah. like... that. The that looked, yeah, that looked really authentic. I mean, the, the best oh, yeah. de-aging I've ever seen was Samuel Jackson from Captain Marvel. Uh, as far as, like, the authenticity of it. Like, it mm-hmm. just looked like a young Samuel L. Jackson. Like, they did a yeah. phenomenal job with it, so... But, oh, definitely, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe they'll do that in Jurassic World, twelve. I don't know, but uh, who knows? <laughs> well, he can't because his his character is dead. Um, 
It's true. It's true. But, so uh, unless we're going to go with zombies. Ooh, there you go. Ooh. Ooh, zombies. Zombie dinosaurs. Zombies. Zombie dinosaurs. Uh, my author friend has a series called uh, Jurassic Dead. So. Yes, I actually I, I read the first book. Yeah, Dave Sackmeister and that. Rick Chesler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I have was... the audiobook of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um this this is something I love. Okay, so in the in the, when we talked about Jurassic Park 1, we talked about well, I talked about the sound design done by Gary mm-hmm. um, Rydstrom, who came back and did yep. the sound for this one. And I think this is fantastic. Yep. The baby T-Rex, its cries, its calls. I love this. It's the actual calls of a baby camel wanting its mother. Yeah, I, I think that, that's that's, that's the best acting right there. That's that's true acting. <laughs> yeah, and then the um who was it? It was the Stegosaurus was a cow. Was uh-huh. it a cow? No, rhinoceros. Yeah. It was a rhinoceros. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. Oh yeah, it's that was great interesting. Work they, Some yeah. of the animals. Yeah, well, that, that's oh, yeah. what the series does though. We we talked about it last episode with the combinations and they're like, how in the heck? And then, you know, going out and filming it and, and recording it, I should say, all the sounds and then using his specialized keyboard to kind of put them all together. Yes. So, and it's not it's not the only time or the last time that it's going to happen. There's vocalizations from a paraserophilophysis. Uh, that was... You uh, Elvis? <laughs> Elvis. Or was that Friar Tuck? <laughs> uh, that might be Friar Tuck. Yeah, I think uh, that's Friar Tuck. I think that might be Friar Tuck, uh, created by cows calling through tubes. Oh, it, it takes a special brand of uh, genius to, to be a sound designer in that regards. And probably a lot of luck. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Oh, it's luck and kind of thinking about thinking outside the box. Um, yeah. So this has become a running question I've asked you at the end of every show. <laughs> sure. Sure. What? You know, what does The Lost World, Jurassic Park, or Jurassic Park, The Lost World, or JP2, or Jurassic Park, here we go again. What does it <laughs> What does it mean to you? I was about to say, I was losing track of the question with all the... Uh, Different titles? I guess, yep. Yeah, and the, the comments thrown into there. Uh, to me, it's just, it's it's a fun movie. It's fun. There's really nothing else behind it, to be honest. Because even though, like, the first movie, The Impact, um, second movie was kind of just the, oops, we're making a sequel. Um, There really wasn't anything, even the new stuff in this movie wasn't, wow, new. It was just, yep. what's next? Yes. Jurassic Park 3 introduced a lot of wow, new. Like, holy cow, new. Yes. I mean, that Spinosaur Egypticus was like, holy monkey. Yes. That was a badass, we'll call it villain. That was a badass dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, hell yeah. So, uh, but I think that's that's where, like, this movie, it was very much, in a good and a bad way, it, it clung to the first movie so much. Yeah. To a, like, as far as, like, design and stuff, that they didn't mm-hmm. really, like uh set it uh nothing really um set it aside from the first movie it was just like a cookie cut oh it's another dinosaur movie there was nothing like yes to set it apart and that's where like that's where i think with jurassic park 3 they started defining each movie with specific 
characters and dinosaurs instead of just yes. rolling along with the same thing every movie and then going, how can this... I mean, it's the same old cliche with action movies, right? Especially franchises. Die Hard. How can the same old guy get into so much trouble uh, all the time? But I mean, that's right in the books too. That, yeah, Lethal Weapon, yeah. So it's it's the same thing. It's like, are these the only people in the world having problems with these dinosaurs? It's like, what the... It's like, wow, what a, what a terrible, you know? But... I mean, I think that's for me. It's just it's a fun movie. It's a, it's a romp. It's a perfect yeah. example of a romp. It's cool. Yeah. It looks it, it was it looked good. Uh, it sounded great. Characters were characters were good for what the writing was giving them. And honestly, I think this was more of a writing problem than anything else. Like you said, the plot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, totally agree. And I mean, um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it, it it's possible. It does what it, it does what it tends to do. No more, no less. And. Yeah, it's not the worst of the. No, actually, it's, it's probably my least favorite Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> probably. It's yeah. uh, like I, I haven't seen Dominion all, yet. I'm, well, see, yeah, I'm I haven't seen Dominion yet, but the, of yeah, yeah, of of the five I've seen, it's my least favorite. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's definitely my least favorite. Um, it's funny. Over the years, number three has risen through the ranks to be one of my favorites. Um. It used to be my second favorite until I've seen um, Jurassic World enough times. Um, mm -hmm. The original Jurassic World, I just love that movie. That was yeah. it was so well done because you know my family's a big Disney family, so like the, th the whole theme park theme, like the actual yep. th like open yeah seeing it park, properly. Yeah, really hit me. It was cool. Uh, the, yep. the the brother thing with that was really just kind of meh, but it oh, see, was. That, 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 I think I talked about that previously. <laughs> for some reason spielberg has this thing about families and okay you got lex lex and tim in the first movie and their their mum is going through a divorce in this one in jurassic in uh, lost world it's the strained relationship between the daughter and ian mm -hmm. in jurassic park 3 the whole story takes it revolves around finding a lost kid yep you've got in jurassic world you've got the two you've got the brothers the and their parents yep. going through a divorce in um fallen kingdom it's the little girl is she is she not what is she how is she related to everything is she real is she a clone is she a robot who knows <laughs> that whole yeah. stuff and then in dominion it they do more of her character and they carry that thing and i don't it, it just it sometimes it really works and then other times i kind of go no don't care about this move on show me my dinosaurs i'm here for the dinosaurs don't care about this family drama <laughs> true yeah. I mean, the family drama is kind of a part of the Jurassic World series once you get Cassie involved. So it's like, I think that's her name, right? This, the daughter? The girl? What the heck was her name? Oh. Um, can't remember in what in this was. one? Yeah, in Jurassic World, in Fallen Kingdom. Uh, oh, fall, the uh, the Fallen Kingdom. The, 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 teen, the girl's name. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I know. Oh, hang on. I'm looking it up. <laughs> so, bam. <laughs> For some bam. reason, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, uh, but once she got involved and then once you figured out that she was going to be around, then it kind of became a family story, not in the... Daisy. Oh, that, yeah, gotcha. Is Cassie from... Yeah, oh, Daisy Lockwood. Yeah, Cassie's from Ant-Man. Uh, but uh, I'm sure there's another Cassie, but uh, anyways. Oh, no, Cassie name, yeah. is from uh, Uncharted, so Uncharted 4. Yes. <laughs> 
uh, he's uh, a thief's end. That is uh, Cassie Drake, Cassandra. But um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but uh, yeah, yeah like, no. Yeah. What it's about a, you? This I is mean, okay. for you. Is it is it the same? Yeah, it's possible. It's doable. It's okay. I. It's a it's a fun I movie. Mean, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I I can I can ignore a lot of my, the problems. I have this movie. I can ignore a lot of them quite easily, but there are the couple that I just kind of go, I just kind of get past. And that's just, as you said, it's a writing, it goes back to the writing. Yeah. Um, I almost had a podcasting blunder right there. I went to mute myself and I almost accidentally hit remove on you. (laughs) That would have been, that would have been been a weird way to end the episode. (laughs) But uh, yeah, midway through speech and then I, has been disconnected uh totally his internet just went out <laughs> we'll discuss on the next show <laughs> but uh speaking of end uh yeah i need to end uh <laughs> yeah. so um no we went through the movie good I, I i and honestly this is a good romp this is like mummy returns for me uh it was a necessary show to do um yeah. i do enjoy this movie like i watch it and there's a lot that i do uh, appreciate in the movie um, when you look at it from just like a fan's point of view and you don't look at too yes. deep, um, there's a, there's a lot to love in this movie, but at the same time, you know, that's not what, you know, that's part of why we're doing this show. But the other part is, you know, we are the armchair director, we are the writers and we are unfortunately, uh, blessed <laughs> with the curse of looking way too deeply into movies. Um, and this is this is what I you get. It, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a curse. I, I quite enjoy doing all this. I quite enjoy it. I enjoy it, but I also would like to go back to before I was a writer and, and just like a damn movie without really like shredding it sometimes. See, funny enough, there are certain movies I can quite happily turn my brain off and not be like that with. True. And yeah. there are other movies where it's impossible to turn the brain off with. And the ones where it's impossible, it's either I love that movie so much, I need to know how it works, or it's because it's that bad, I need to know how could I fix it. It's true. Yeah. And uh, kind of like uh, Indiana Jones being a very unnecessary character. I hate that argument. I really hate that argument. Because the Nazis wouldn't, <laughs> maybe have never found Exactly. without his help and at the yeah. end of the day they still get it <laughs> so there's there's really nothing he did to prevent them from getting it if anything he helped them so yep and it's my favorite movie of all time so i could care less i don't uh, i don't necessarily agree with it but at the end of the day i understand it but i'm also an action adventure writer so there's 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 things that i'm just numb to and blind to with uh with yep. certain and, aspects of stories and it doesn't and, bother me one bit don't care because yeah, because because you got to understand in those in those types of movies it's moment to moment so in yep. the moment indy is very necessary 500 times he's very necessary but from start to finish it doesn't look like the character is but there's so many ways that he dictated this story in a certain direction so he's obviously necessary and it, so that's just the lens you look through if you look through yep. just movies in general yeah he's not a necessary character per se but when you watch the movie he is absolutely necessary and that's just oh, yeah. that's just writing and movie making and entertainment i guess yeah and and, and also it comes down to this thing about suspension of disbelief that's the other thing yeah of course i, I think of course. 
people who point out that sort of thing to me, I kind of sit there and go, I feel sorry for you because you can't enjoy it for what it is. You, you can't suspend your disbelief for an hour and a half, two hours to watch a kick-ass romp. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But uh, so and, and, and those uh, type of people, that, what, sorry, yeah, and those type of people, yeah, they're not good. to be trusted. <laughs> 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 That's what I was going to say. <laughs> No, you're fine. You're fine. But yes, uh, please like and subscribe to the show. Uh, find us on Facebook. Uh, you'll find me all over the place. You'll find Rich. Uh, come find our group. You'll find both of us there quite a bit. Um, Facebook.com uh, slash groups slash armchair directors uh, uh, podcast. It's really easy to find. You'll see our logo. Uh, subscribe everywhere. We are officially on Apple Podcasts now. Um, oh, took a time. little. There was a lot of. They do a lot of weird stuff like through the um what is it called the uh, website that we upload into (laughs) yeah it was just through the episode or or through the uh i can't remember what the actual term is called the 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 server that we use to upload to and then it Mm -hmm. distributes to the others um it eventually gets approved by apple but it can take forever or you have to create an id with apple and then submit direct to them but even uh, that was difficult yeah. to do, and eventually it worked. Eventually it worked. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll um, see you on the next episode. We will be finishing up the first of the Jurassic Park trilogies with Jurassic Park three. Uh, Jurassic World shows we are not going to be doing for a while. We are going to space it out. We do have a ton of other movies we want to get into. We're not just going to do six Jurassic yeah. Park movies in a row. But um, thank you uh, for listening, and we will see you next time. Rich, as always, thank you, my friend, and uh, talk to you. Definitely.